Welcome back. This is not Gary Mo- Nolan this morning. This is Dave Rowland filling in for Gary on the Zimmer Radio Network. Today is Frost Your Buns Friday. Uh, we have had a lot of calls in the first hour of the show. I hope we're going to have some in this hour of the show. Just call in and let me know what is frosting your buns this Friday, and we'll we'll chat about it. The number is 573-874-9390 or 800-529-5572. Uh, Brian, someone called in in the last hour, and his buns were frosted by the fact that we were talking about Thanksgiving. Yeah, how dare you talk about food? Oh, man. I, the I, week before Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm truly sorry that we discussed <laughs> the foods that we like and dislike uh, anyway we, we got a caller let's go to rick rick you are on the air with dave roland uh what's frosting your buns this friday well there's so many things but uh, of course you know the ukraine produces massive amounts of food and so does the usa well in that part of the world the ex-soviet union there's always been food shortages and bread lines and of course the inexperienced voters who voted recently chose to have the USA in that situation. Um, you know, now we're moving into winter, and uh, look what's happening in the Northeast where there's shortages of food already, shortages of fuel. And uh, my, what's going to happen to those people? While our government brings these people in from Central America, who don't know what winter is, to suffer here through our winters, um, it's just, um, well, I don't believe in a football god or a weather god, but if there's a weather god, you folks in the Northeast are going to pay for it. So, Rick, uh, what, what I'm gathering here is what frosts your buns this Friday is all of the above? Is, yes. is, that, is that what I'm gathering? Oh, there's there's massive amounts of it. Uh, well, know, you know, when it when it comes to the Northeast, you know, I think that there's an important issue there that a lot of people may not know about. Have you ever heard about the Jones Act? Have you heard of this? No. So the the Jones Act basically uh, makes it incredibly difficult and expensive to ship uh, fossil fuels into New England. Uh, or to Puerto Rico. Basically, it, it, it creates these enormous regulatory barriers that says you have to use certain types of shipping instead of just using what's the cheapest. And so it artificially inflates energy costs in Puerto Rico and New England. And uh, there have been people calling for, for years to repeal the Jones Act because it's pure protectionism. Uh, it doesn't actually serve any of the consumer's interests, it only serves the interests of those who are collecting the the unreal profits from shipping this stuff because they've been given basically a cartel over, over this type of shipping. Um, but I would love to see a movement at the federal level to repeal the Jones Act and allow... Uh, for for much cheaper shipping of energy resources. Um, that'd be one way that we might be able to address that. Thanks for calling in, Rick. Let's move on to Shirley. Shirley, thank you for calling in on Frost Your Buns Friday. What do you want to talk about? Thank you. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and to all. Happy Thanksgiving uh, to you, too. Thank you very much. Dave, a question. Now that the Republicans took back the House, and now President Biden is in the hot seat. Can, does that prevent him from coming in front of the microphone and giving the store away? 
Well, How do you mean he, giving the store away? I'm, I'm interested well, to hear what you mean. I mean, just this, this almost just like the uh, the college things, giving away, stealing out of one pocket and giving it to somebody else. He, that's how, how I feel the Democrats won the Senate, is because the people, they, they're not educated enough, they haven't lived long enough to know really what communism is. And they're being strung into communism. That means you're given everything, come along, come along, take this, take this, take this, and then they vote on that person who gives them everything. It's like a Santa Claus. And they cannot resist a Santa Claus. So they vote for the Santa Claus, but they don't know it's the trap. I'll be 78 day after Thanksgiving, and if Donald Trump is elected, I'll be 80 on his birthday. Or DeSantis, whatever. I'm a very conservative lady. I think Sharon, too. Sharon, I hope you get your truck back in good shape. Bless you. I'm a very conservative person, but I feel our country is going down the wrong track, and people don't realize it. Well, Shirley, thank you so much for calling in. I, too, share your concerns about... um, Young people especially and their openness to socialism and their lack of understanding about the real world evil that has resulted uh, when when socialism has been implemented at large scales in other parts of the world. Um, as far as the implications of the recent midterm elections... Um, you know, as I mentioned with an earlier caller, I don't really like to get into politics very much. I have no particular dog in that fight. I am as utterly nonpartisan as it is possible to get. I will say that um, as a limited government person, I love it when there is divided government in Washington, D.C., because that tends to prevent worse policies from getting implemented, whether it's coming from the right or the left. Um, If you've got a divided uh, government in Washington, D.C., it is much more difficult to get anything passed. So, for example, um, if the Republicans do go on to control the House of Representatives the way that it looks like they're going to, it means that the Biden administration can't count on being able to ram anything through Congress. Um, you know, the Republicans are very likely to try and thwart anything that he wants to do legislatively. Um, that does not mean that they're necessarily going to be successful. The Republican margin is likely to be narrow enough that, uh, perhaps the Biden administration can persuade just a handful of Republicans, uh, to go with a particular item on the agenda, uh, but not necessarily. And I think that that's as it should be. Um, we never want any one party in control. Uh, and I want to emphasize I, I don't like it when the Republicans are in full control either. Uh, because then I think they implement a number of bad policies as well. Um, I think that the real error that the Republicans made in this last election um, was, was not prioritizing keeping the Senate. Uh, and when I say that, I think a lot of the problem was um, they chose a lot of fringe candidates. Instead of choosing candidates that were most likely to appeal to a broad spectrum of voters in a number of states, they ended up choosing candidates who were 
playing very hard to the Republican base, to the fringe elements of the Republican Party, and that meant that they could not sell their message to the vast middle of the American voting public. And, um, you know, even when you have all of the fundamentals leaning in favor of the Republicans as they were in this midterm election, um, if you can't put a, a standard, electable, reasonable candidate out there, you shouldn't be surprised. Uh, when your candidates lose. And, and that's exactly what happened in the Senate with the Republicans. Let's move on to Matt. Matt, you're on the air with Dave Rowland on the Gary Nolan Show. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Thanks for calling in. What frost, well, appreciate that. What frosts my buns is it's 2022, and House Bill 1974 has yet to be pushed through. I was going to get your take on that and see if you know anything about it. My understanding is... It provides equal parenting time for uh, both mothers and fathers after a divorce. Uh, this is Missouri House Bill 1974? Or, or are we talking about a federal bill? I'm sorry, I broke up there for a moment. What was that? Uh, I, I'm not clear if we're talking about a, a, a bill in the Missouri legislature or if we're talking about a federal bill. I'm, I'm not sure about the bill that you're referencing. I believe it was federal. Okay, and what would the bill do? Uh, it would provide uh, equal parenting time for fathers uh, after a custody dispute. I have to admit, I don't know much about this topic. Um, I know that courts routinely uh, work to draw the appropriate balance between custodial parents uh, when there are disputes over custody. Um, and so not knowing anything about the bill that you've referenced, I just I don't know that I can weigh in on it. Um, so so uh, I, I apologize, but I don't know how to respond. Very well. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much. Uh, it is Frost Your Buns Friday. If you've got an issue that you'd like to discuss, feel free to call in. The number is 573-874-9390 or 800-529-5572. We have got uh, a caller coming in. I'm not sure we're going to have time. Are we going to have time to get to him? Okay, let's go to Ken. Ken, you're on the line with Dave Rowland on Frost, Frost Your Buns Friday. Okay. Well, real quick, I would like to talk about uh, the history of Ukraine. Ukraine, the name Ukraine means border region. Real quick, can we do that in a minute or a minute and a half? Because that's what we're up against as far as our next radio break or our next commercial break. Okay. It means border region. It has meant border region for 800 years. The communists divided uh, Russia into provinces. One of the provinces they called Ukraine, which is what we call Ukraine today. They added lands they took to Poland to Ukraine. If you look at any map of the Ukrainian election, any map, you'll see Ukraine is divided between Russian areas voting for Russians, typically in blue, candidates that are aligned with Russia, and Polish areas voting for Polish candidates aligned with Poland. The Russian areas want to go back to Russia. No president from Washington to Reagan thought Russia's relationship with their border region, Ukraine, was any of our business. This whole thing got started because those Russian areas were being shelled by I don't know what you call them when they call themselves Nazis, they're Nazis. So they were being shelled by Nazis and that's why Putin invaded. Um, the only reasonable solution, it's none of our business, first of all, but to let the Russian areas that want to go back, some are 90% Russian, go back to Russia. We just don't belong 
interfering in that mess at all either way. That's what I wanted to say. Okay, and with that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go to a commercial break. I'll respond on the other side of the commercial break. So keep listening in. This is Dave Roland filling in for Gary Nolan on the Zimmer Radio Network. We are back. This is Dave Roland filling in for Gary Nolan on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is Froster Buns Friday. I encourage people to call in, uh, air your grievances. Tell me what you think about whatever you want to talk about, and we'll we'll bat it around. The number is 573-874-9390 or 800-529-5572. And, Brian, we have got a topic now that I think we can sink our teeth into a little bit. I touched on this the last time I guest hosted the show for Gary. This was oh, a few weeks ago now. Um, and the topic of Ukraine came up uh, in the context of that show. Um, and I ended up having a... Uh, an interesting conversation with one of our guests uh, who was dramatically opposed to any U.S. involvement whatsoever uh, in the war between Ukraine and Russia. Um, and, you know, it is actually, I think, a quite challenging topic for a libertarian like myself, little L libertarian like myself, because generally I am anti-war. Um, I do not want to see the United States embroiled in in foreign conflicts um, unless necessary but at the same time I think that there are points at which it is absolutely in the national interest to get involved in some of these conflicts and that was kind of the crux of the disagreement that I had with our guest a few weeks ago um, and I raised the question and I used the most obvious example, Brian. I, I said, well, what did we learn from the way that uh, England dealt with Hitler when he was on the rise in Germany? Okay. And, and I, to let you all know, I, I talked about this with my 10-year-old daughter last night. She wanted to watch a YouTube video uh, called World War II Oversimplified that right. kind of walks you through um, the prelude to mm -hmm. World War II and the, and the aftermath. Uh, it's really fantastic video. Um, and we were talking about it, and I paused at several points in the video to show parallels, right? So uh, when Hitler was named Chancellor of Germany, he decided he wanted what he called more living space for the German people, and so he started making demands. He said, I, I want this territory. I want this territory. And... The Allied nations, England and France, largely appeased him and let him have what he wanted. So Germany starts to absorb Austria, parts of Czechoslovakia. Um, he decides he wants Poland. And the Allies gave and gave and gave. And, and it wasn't Hitler enough. carried away. Yeah, they, they kept on thinking, if we just accede to the demands yeah. here, we'll guarantee peace in our time. <laughs> right? That's what Chamber Chamberlain said. He comes back to Britain after signing this agreement with Hitler. He says, I've guaranteed peace in our time. And almost immediately, Hitler turns around and takes all of Czechoslovakia. Um, you know, there are plenty of arguments about whether historically Ukraine should be considered part of the Russian Empire, what I always respond is, I think the question is, what do the people who live there now actually think? And uh, the national elections in Ukraine 
have over the last several years largely been a referendum on whether the people currently living within the borders of Ukraine wanted their country to lean more towards the European Union or whether they wanted to lean more towards Moscow. And uh, in these elections, I, I want to say in 2016, um, almost all of the regions, including those eastern regions that the caller on the front side of the commercial break was talking about, cast their votes in favor of the candidates who said, we want to align with Europe. Even these Russian-speaking regions said, look, we want to, we want to, our future to be Europe-facing. We think that's where prosperity lies for this country. Now, I think that we're, we're in a difficult spot now because Putin decided he didn't like it. He's invaded. He's been trying to take what he wants. Um, and he had these sham referenda where 90 plus percent of the vote allegedly said, oh, we want to be part of Russia. But uh, you, you saw the videos of, of the, the soldiers coming to people's doors with guns, handing them their ballots. What do you think the result is going to be? I mean, no one can pretend that that was a fair election at all. You know, maybe, maybe if Putin had before the invasion said, well, let's have a referendum, let's, you know, have it internationally monitored so that we can guarantee fairness and let the people have their own say, maybe you could treat that kind of a referendum as having some sort of legitimacy. And maybe that results in some of these eastern provinces uh, either declaring independence or, or saying that they want to join Russia. That's not what happened. It's ahistorical. To pretend that we have any accurate gauge on what the people who actually lived in Ukraine wanted for themselves. And I think it's it's bizarre to suggest that just because a region historically had been part of another country, that it somehow justifies that other country invading and taking it back. How would you feel if Mexico decided they were going to evade the American Southwest? Historically, that region was part of Mexico. It, there are a lot of Spanish speakers down there. There might even be a certain number of Spanish speakers in the American Southwest that would really rather go back and be part of Mexico. Maybe. That doesn't mean that Mexico can simply send in its army, army and take it over. Even if they feel like, uh, you know, Spanish-speaking citizens in the American Southwest are not being treated fairly, or if they think that, you know, well, there's, there's brutality against them, it doesn't justify a military invasion and attempting, attempting to retake that territory by force. Um, so Brian was asking me, you know, kind of what I thought about the, the role that the U.S. has been content to play so far in this you know, Russian-Ukrainian conflict. And and my response is, is I actually do think that um, when you have a totalitarian aggressor attempting to subdue their neighbors, uh, it's important to stop the aggression. Because if you don't stop the aggression, it will continue. And that's not just a 20th century lesson. That's a human history lesson. And I'm happy to talk more about that on the other side of this commercial break. We're going to have to go to a break now. It is Frost Your Buns Friday. If you've got something you'd like to talk about, whether it be Ukraine or an entirely different topic, feel free to call in. The number is 573-874-9390 or 800-529-5572. This is Dave Roland filling in for Gary Nolan on the Zimmer Radio Network.
is the Gary Nolan Show. We are back. This is Dave Roland filling in for Gary Nolan on the Zimmer Radio Network. Thank you for listening in today. It is Frost Your Buns Friday. We've been inviting people to call in and air their grievances. The number is 573-874-9390 or 800-529-5572. We have got just such a caller on the line right now. Jerry, you have been very patient. Thank you for waiting. What is on your mind on this Frost Your Buns Friday? Well, my problem is I'm being taxed illegally by Callaway County. They're doing drive-by assessments. Nobody trains drive-by assessors in this whole state. There's no training for them, yet they're going out, not getting out of their vehicles, and they're charging me more money for my realty. Yeah, I, I would agree. That that sounds like a problem. Um I do know that if you disagree with an assessment, you, there is an appeals process. Have you considered appealing? I already did, and that was a joke. I went down to Callaway County. I went into the courthouse. I had to go through security. I walked down to the room where the place was being, where the meeting was being held, and they're glad-handing their people in and out of the door without security right in front of me. And when I brought that up with Eric Schmidt, he didn't seem to think it was a big deal, or his people didn't. But I said, this is just crazy. And they raised my rates for no reason. Well, I do sympathize with you. I, I think that it, it is horrible how people get overtaxed. And, uh, you know, I... What I can say is I know that uh, in, I believe, every county in the state, assessor is an elected position. Uh, and so maybe consider running for assessor next time around, and, and maybe you can you can fix this problem of over-assessment. I would love to, but I'm 70 years old, and I know when I'm too old to do something. <laughs> <unlike> <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> That's fair enough, Jerry. Well, I'm, maybe maybe I'm you like can find friend. a like-minded younger person who who will take up that torch and go off and 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 maybe uh, campaign and, and get the assessments lowered in in Callaway County. Thanks so much for calling in, Jerry. I appreciate it. When they when they tried this in Kirkwood and Webster, we shut them down. Yeah, well, use the same playbook. Maybe you can make it work in Callaway County. All right. Um, so before the, the commercial break, we were talking a little bit about about the, the problem of Russia and Ukraine and what the U.S. involvement should be. And uh, I mentioned that in my previous stint guest hosting on the show, I made the mistake of making reference to Hitler as what I think is a fairly obvious histor historical parallel. But but I think that it's important to note that this is not just a 20th century issue either or a 21st century issue. Part of the reason I am a libertarian is I think humanity has an inherent drive to domineer other people. If you give a human being authority over others, they will tend to misuse that authority and they will tend to try and get more authority. Our founding fathers recognized this problem. That's why they set our government up the way that they did. That's why they designed our Constitution so that ambition would oppose ambition. They understood that ambition is the defining trait of those who tend to find themselves in political authority. And so they realized that 
if you pit these ambitions against each other, that gives you the best chance of restricting the growth of government. Now, it hasn't worked perfectly. Our, our modern society can, can demonstrate that, uh, unfortunately, uh, that ambition has not always proved to be an effective check on others' power, but I think the principle holds true. But I, I want to look back to some historical examples to explain my feeling about the importance of curbing um, empirically uh, <laughs> empire-minded tyrants, okay? Historically, you have people like Alexander the Great. You've got Genghis Khan. You've got uh, Cyrus of Persia um, who were driven to conquer their neighbors. And whenever they conquered one neighbor, their sights inevitably turned to the next neighbor. So let's let's bring it to a concrete example. Um, 2,500 years ago, the Persian Empire turned its sights to Greece. Okay? Um, initially, uh, the, the Persian emperor tried to make a drive and capture Athens. He was beaten back at the Battle of Marathon, and they kind of nursed their wounds and then came back a few years later uh, with the Emperor Xerxes trying to capture Greece. Now, the people in Greece knew this was coming, right? They, they saw the writing on the wall. They knew they had this expansionist tyrant who had their number and was coming after them. And the question is, how do you defend against that? Do you try and anticipate it and act sooner rather than later because you know eventually the tyrant is going to be on your doorstep? Or do you just sit back and wait until the tyrant actually arrives? Okay. Um, fortunately, the Greeks got together and uh, a significant number, although still a small number, decided to fight the Battle of Thermopylae to try and hold back the Persian armies, this massive Persian army, in order to buy time for a later defense of uh, the Greek peninsula. And that ultimately allowed the Greeks to fend off the Persian emperor and to uh, put a significant dent in the Persian Empire itself by virtue of, of their military defeat that the Greeks handed them. What if Athens had decided we're just not going to participate at all? You know, let's screw the, the Greek nations that, that the Persians are stomping on right now. They're not at our doorstep. We may as well just let them fend for themselves. Um, I don't think that's tenable. I, I think that when you recognize an expansionist tyrant starting to move on their neighbors, you have to understand that they are not likely to stop with their current target. They will continue to push. And that's why I do happen to think, although I do not want to see American troops involved in the conflict, I do, want, do not want to see a direct conflict between the United States and Russia, I do think we have ample interest in providing Ukraine the resources that it needs to fight the tyrant. I think it serves the United States' interests to enable those who are currently fighting against this expansionist threat. 
because I see Putin the same way that I would have seen Hitler, the same way I would have seen Genghis Khan or Alexander the Great. I think that he is by nature an expansionist who wants to extend his control over other people. And I do not think he would stop at Ukraine if he was simply allowed to dominate Ukraine. We've got a couple of callers I want to get to. Let's go. Well, okay. Ken has called in again. Let's go ahead and let's go to him real quick. Ken, you weren't the one who, who disagreed with us talking about Thanksgiving dinner, yeah. were you? Thank you for Thanksgiving dinner. No. Yeah, someone someone called in and said that, that he was unhappy that we had mentioned the foods that we didn't like at Thanksgiving. I wasn't sure if that was you. Go ahead, Ken. What's on your mind? Well, thank you for taking my call again. I appreciate it. I'll ask you. Okay, I got a few points to make. One, I'll, I'll just ask you, do you think that Vladimir Putin, with a nation whose gross domestic product is less than Italy's, is going to go storming through Europe? I think if he was given the opportunity, he absolutely would. Oh, you think he would? Yes. Okay. Um, Matter of fact, well, I, I think I think Putin has one. been Putin has been express about his goals. He wants to rebuild the Russian yeah. Empire, the historic Russian Empire, okay. and that necessarily includes sweeping in the Baltic states. It likely includes uh -huh. sweeping in at least part of Poland, if not the entirety of Poland. So, yes, mm -hmm. I think it's quite clear that that's his intent to go storming through Europe. You think he's going to set up in uh, Paris? You know. A new government in Paris, the way Hitler did? Is that what you think? I think given the opportunity, he certainly would. Oh, sure. Could he? Could well now that's that's a better question. I think the fact yeah, that his military question. is completely falling on its face in Ukraine is a demonstration that if he It'll is opposed, off. absolutely not, he can't. But the question is, okay. would he be opposed? And and I think well, that those those who are saying, well, let let Ukraine stand on their own, maybe they survive, maybe they don't, um, would simply embolden Putin to push further if and when he was able to, able to overwhelm Ukraine. Well, he's failing miserably in Ukraine, but you think he could go storming into Paris? I think if he Is was, if, I think you? if he had the opportunity, he would. Okay, could he? Well, again, that remains to be seen. Uh, I think that by supplying well, Ukraine what they Ukraine. need to oppose him, According we're making to... sure it doesn't happen. Okay, sure. Um, well, we're going to have to disagree on that one, and we're going to have to disagree on the whole conflict, because the conflict did not start because Putin wanted to go in and take lands. It's a verifiable fact. Oh, hold on. If we're going to say verifiable fact, let's hear your sources. Because I, I hear a lot of people say things are official and verifiable, and they never cite a source. I want to hear your sources. Well. They, the Azov Nazis were shelling breakaway Russian areas. Tell you what, okay. we're going to have to go to a commercial break. Hang on the line. I want to hear what you have to say on this. So stick around. We're going to go to a commercial break. We're going to continue talking about this on the other side. This is Dave Rowland filling in for Gary Nolan on the Zimmer Radio Network. <laughs> 
We are back. This is Dave Rowland filling in for Gary Nolan on the Zimmer Radio Network. We have been talking to Ken, uh, who has very strong opinions about Russia and Ukraine. Uh, and, and Ken, I wanted to make sure that you had a chance to offer your perspective thoroughly on this. So I invited you to stick around until after the commercial break. So uh, you were expressing some thoughts about how the conflict began. So why don't you start us there? How do you think this conflict between Russia and Ukraine began? Well, in uh, first of all, it begins in that those areas, the name Ukraine, you can Google it, means border region. And it has meant border region for 800 years. The people in some of the, the places that you're talking about. Well, let, let me the, probe a little bit there. What difference does it make right. what the name means? Why does that matter? Because I think it matters that it is traditionally, and for 800 years, that part of Ukraine that was part of Russia before they added the Polish lands to Ukraine were always Russian areas. They were always Russian territories. Some of those areas have 90%, 90% in some of those regions are Russian. You know, uh, Rus Russian speaking, but Russian speaking, yeah. but that doesn't mean that they're Russian. Well, we okay. speak English. We are not part of England. They were they were Russian speaking. They were part of Russia for eight hundred years, but they're not Russian. Okay. Um, right, well, oh, oh, well, hold on. Let's extend that analogy a little bit. Right, uh, yeah. Large, large swaths of the American West and Southwest belonged to Mexico and Spain for hundreds of years before the United States took them over. Many of those areas still have a high percentage of the population that speaks Spanish. Uh -huh. Does that mean that Mexico would be entitled to send its military in to retake part of those areas? Does it? I don't know. Does uh, that, the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is what no. Is, okay. What, <laughs> you know. Okay. What is, now? Now I think it would be. I think it would be one thing if we were talking about having a referendum in those areas, and the people said, you know, we have decided of our own volition, we want to secede from the nation we're currently part of and go and join this other nation. That's a totally different situation, and that's not what happened in Ukraine. And so, so oh, go ahead. If another country, another nation, were shelling Mexico or Canada, how when did the shelling begin and where? <laughs> this, the shelling began for months. The shelling went where? on for and Nazis when? for months before this invasion took place. The invasion in 2022. The the before Putin went in to stop the shelling. And when was that? This so, this is an important question. I want to know. This year. Okay. What about 2014 when Putin invaded and took Crimea and when he sent uh -huh. in paramilitary units Crimea. to fight in, in the Donbass? Crimea. Okay. This war That's did not business. begin in 2022. Russia okay. invaded no, in 2014. Years. In 2018, 2018, okay, the United States Congress voted to ban under federal law the Azov Nazis from getting any aid from the U.S. Ken, we've given you a lot of time on the show. I'm going to pull the plug at this point. So uh, <laughs> the bottom line is, is uh, he's talking about things that happened recently and wanting to ignore the fact that Russia invaded in 2014. 
Like this, this is not some new thing. Uh, and, and Ukraine did not instigate by trying to hold on to its own territories uh, after Russia invaded. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Dave, you are on the line. Thank you so much for being patient. What is on your mind on Frost Your Buns Friday? You were entirely too patient with that gentleman. You're correct. The caucus, the caucus belly was in the crux of the problem in Ukraine is the vast pool. The Russian naval base is their only warm water mm-hmm. port. The traditional home the of the Baltic threat, Fleet, which was a major part of the Soviet military. Correct. And the Russian military. The threat of Ukraine going into NATO is why they invaded, because they thought they were going to lose the lease and control of that. That's why they took Crimea. They have repeatedly stated for decades the threat of encroaching nato expansion to the borders well yeah and and putin has also made clear that that one of his major strategic ambitions was to effectively split the nato alliance like he's he's been trying to do that for a long time and 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 one of the ways of doing it was um instigating a conflict that would force them to to make hard decisions and he certainly did require those hard decisions Trump's first overseas visit was to Warsaw, where they're trying to form the Alliance of the Seven Seas, which is going to be a trade alliance north-south between NATO and Russia, from the um, Baltics down through the Adriatic Seas. Um, and that calmed Putin down. Um, the big thing is, is how are you going to stop it? The, Ru- the Russians are not going to give up Stavaspool no more than we would give up San Diego or Norfolk. Well, ex- except that, except that uh, there's a big difference between saying, hey, we would like to continue a lease on this property and saying we're just going to retake an entire peninsula, which is which oh, is I'm what not Putin agreeing. I'm not did. Agreeing. Yeah. I'm not agreeing with their actions. I'm just saying they're not going to. Also, the other thing we need to remember is in their their cultural and military history is they they got their derriere kicked in Finland. They lost for a year and a half. In World War II, horrendous losses, the likes of which no army in the world has ever seen, and they came back victorious and the yeah. most the most most offensive army, the most successful maneuver army in the history of the world. Um, to think that they're they're knocked down and out is nonsense. They 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 can find the right leadership and do this. Now, I don't know what the probability of that is. It's lower than I probably would have thought two years ago. But to think they're just going to roll over and give up is nonsense. Somebody needs to be getting them to the bargaining table. I I agree with you that they're not inclined to roll over and give up. I do disagree a little bit with... The, the strategic outlook for the Russian military. We're having to go into commercial break now. I'm going to talk more about this on the other side of the commercial break. Thank you so much for calling in, Dave. I appreciate it. This is uh, Dave Rowland filling in for Gary Nolan. If you'd like to call in, it's 573-874-9390 or 800-529-5572. This is the Gary Nolan Show.